Welcome to the We Go Places podcast, where we catch up with We Go grads who share with us the story of the journey to their unique careers. I'm your host, Brian Turnbaugh, English teacher at We Go since 2001, and you just heard intro music from Andy Georgiev, class 2022. Today, I catch up with class of 2016's Shruti Naik, a neonatal intensive care nurse at West Suburban Medical Center in Oak Park. Shruti will share with us how the nurturing experiences with nurses during her childhood visits to the doctor's office inspired her to pursue a career in medicine as well. Joining us from the class of 2016 is Shruti Knight. Shruti, what do you do? Hi, I am a neonatal intensive care nurse. I work in Oak Park in um, Illinois right now. So, Shruti, when you left WeGo, how did you how did you know that you wanted to get into nursing? Was it like was it something you always knew that you wanted to do? And and uh, what was it? How did it become your calling? Um, well, when I was growing up, when I was like a real little kid, I ended up just being sick all the time. So something as simple as like a cold or a flu would just end up like put me in the hospital all the time to the point where I when I was younger, I thought it was normal for whenever you get sick to go to the ED or the emergency room. Um, so growing up like that, I was surrounded by medicine a lot. Um, as I got older, I got healthier and I found out that, I mean, um, science was always something that I really took an interest in and loved to learn about. At first, I really wanted to become a doctor. And then I realized well, I don't want to go through that much school. So I started to look more into career paths through medicine and I found nursing. And I realized as I looked back on my childhood, I don't really remember most of my doctors, but I do remember my nurses. And those are the people that really made an impact on me and made me feel a lot better when I was a kid. So I looked into programs and I found nursing. I didn't know what kind of nursing I wanted to do at all, but I found thought that nursing would be a perfect place for me to take my past experience of being sick as a kid and my current love of science and meld it into one. So you go off to the University of, of Iowa. So Shruti, can you tell me uh, what the program was like at Iowa? So uh, I actually applied to the University of Iowa nursing program when I was still a high school. And I was very, very fortunate and lucky enough to get into early admission, which meant that I was accepted into the program before I even became a freshman in college. Um, so it was a four year program for me. The first two years were mostly prerequisites, which was mostly, like, you know, science stuff like biology, anatomy, like all that. And then my last two years, my junior and senior year were clinicals, core nursing classes, and I was in the hospital basically every day, all day. And it was studying a lot, but it was one of the best experiences of my life. It really made me find myself and made me think myself as a better person, made me excited to be a nurse in the future. I know this is going to be hard to maybe remember, but I always like thinking about how people learn and how they get information and concepts to stick. Do you remember like what were some of your more successful study habits or hacks that were ways in which you worked well with other people that really seemed to have the most benefit to retaining all of this information that you had to hold on to? Absolutely. So when I came out of high school, I actually had no idea how to study at all. I thought just like reading over a chapter would be good, maybe do some practice questions and 
let me tell you, that is not how college works mm-hmm. at all. So um, I actually found a really good core group of friends that happened to be in my program as well. And they turned into my best friends. Um, and we would set aside a couple of days where we were all available to go to the library together. So during classes, of course, we would take notes and I, we would actually have the PowerPoints on our laptops. And I would just type out everything that was important that the professor said. And I would go to the library and we would all sit there and study for about an hour, take a couple breaks. And then once we started, like, I would just type everything out again into a Quizlet or make a quiz for myself and retype out all these PowerPoints to really get it inside my brain. And then after maybe like six or seven hours in the library, me and my friends started to go through like we were losing our minds after a while. So we started to because we were studying the same topics we would start making jokes about our what we were learning and those like jokes, those stupid little things that your friends think of and are laughing about together, those really stuck in my brain. And I found that that really helped. It, it's it's so true uh, that like you think you know how to study <laughs> leaving high school until you, <laughs> you are confronted with this incredible uh, amount of information and and just application of those skills. It's so, it's so true. Thank you for sharing that like that importance a uh, bit of information because it, it is an incredible investment of time and concentration and focus to to make it work. It's so true. So uh, just a couple more things about the your first couple years uh, uh, where you kind of had to get the basic you know classes out. I always hear I always ask this question of the med students that I interview. Um, is it true about organic chem that it's really hard? And, and is that something I, I always hear that for traditionally? And and did you how did you conquer it if you did it all? Oh, my God. Organic chemistry. I try not to think about organic chemistry. <laughs> so, I that, class. <laughs> that was truly one of the hardest classes I have ever taken. It was a foreign language to me. I tried my absolute best as I as I possibly could. And I skated by with a passing grade. Just, just about, but oof! Thankfully, that doesn't apply to my daily life anymore. Okay. I was gonna say, so <laughs> select few that can speak that language. I guess I, I, have, I always hear like I, I was interviewing someone. They're like, oh yeah, it made sense. I was like, what? How did that? It does not. Sheesh. Okay, so um, now, so your first two years, it's getting a working understanding of. Yeah, vocabulary and 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 basic application of all this. But at some point, you have to make your way into the hospital. I was wondering if you could maybe talk about like how did you kind of get brave? Because <laughs> at some points, it goes from theory to actual practice. What what was that transition like? So I was actually, I mean, I don't know if you remember me in high school, but I was. I thought I was loud spoken, but I really wasn't. I wasn't able to talk to people. I didn't know how to talk to people. And I knew that that was going to be a problem when I actually made it into the hospital and had to interact with patients and other providers and other nurses. So what I actually did was um, when I got to my junior year, when real, like, quote unquote, real nursing school started where I was going to have to be in the hospital, I actually applied for a job called supplemental instruction. So I was actually a tutor to a I had an entire classroom of students that were younger than me and I taught them how about like I think my classes were human anatomy and um, animal biology so forcing myself to get up in front of that classroom and interact with these students really made me learn how to talk to people and how to interact with others even if it wasn't like 
a pure medical sense. I would also joke around with them and it made me really comfortable. So once I actually got into clinicals and was confronted with patients and other providers and everything, I felt way more comfortable talking to them. And it didn't seem as nerve I'm trust me, it was nerve wracking, but it wasn't as nerve wracking as it would have been if I didn't have that experience with my students. It sounds like such an incredible uh, tool that you were able to really hone is the ability to, to work on your communication. And that, I think in the, my experience this past year, going to uh, to the hospital you know, with parents and all that and really seeing just how patient and clear how the doctors and the nurses were communicating the procedure and what to expect. I was just so impressed um, by why, uh, how uh, they they were able to do that. And it's interesting that you had that experience in, in that. It was, so was that something that was expected of you to do or was that kind of something that you felt was a, for lack of a better word, deficit and you knew that you could make better by going into that supplemental instruction uh, course? Um, at first, I only took supplemental instruction as a job. I needed some money and it was offered to me. And so it was at first just a job. And then as I got into the first semester of me doing it, I realized as I had, I didn't realize I had to stand up in front of a classroom and essentially give a lecture. So as I got to that first, through that first semester, it actually made me realize that I, it was helping me to talk to people and I was doing more for my students and they were doing more for me than I actually realized. So I didn't actually go into supplemental instruction to relieve that deficit of me not knowing how to talk to people, but it was actually a very beneficial um, addition to my job. And I think it was more than a job at that point. It was everything at that point. Because I think it's like what you said, it's so important because it's not only do you need to know the actual biology and the, the, the medical part of this, this is such a human activity where you have to to let people know exactly what's happening to them, why it's happening, what to expect. And that is also part of kind of setting the frame of positive and realistic expectations. So it's it's so cool that that's it's how well rounded the whole uh, experience was for you. So what so once you are in the hospital, what's like the first type of major like okay, I'm doing this now. Like when did you know like oh that's kind of significant what I'm doing? Like what was the first major task where you felt that you were like okay I'm I, I'm I'm getting my my sea legs here. This is this is feeling pretty good. So my first clinical was med surge. So it was, if you just like think about a hospital, like a general hospital floor, that's what you would think of would be med surge. And to nurses, it is so busy and so on your feet and you're just running around. And as a nursing student, I only had one patient. That was enough. Trust me, just running around getting meds and doing all this. So I, as a nursing student, I wasn't allowed to pass meds. I was about allowed to like tell the patients what they were, but even just telling the patients what medications were and me knowing that I knew what the medications were, were something was something incredible to me because I was like, how did I know that? I didn't even know I knew that. Um, but something as simple as bathing a patient who just came out of surgery and they couldn't do it themselves. It was, it was something that I've never done before. And I could see that someone was grateful and I was helping that person. That made me really realized, wow, I might be really doing something here. I might be helping people here. How do you decide, because just how many different decision points you have to make at any at every point when you were just describing that, Do is there a way in which you, they 
tell you how to prioritize certain tasks or is that something that you just have an intuition for? Because I, I just imagine you have all these things happening at the same time. Uh, how do you begin to like, you know, again, prioritize uh, that kind of decision tree? Um, in nursing school, they actually teach you like when you're going to have three, four patients at a time and everyone needs something. You have to think about the medical, like which one is the most dangerous right now. Like that person really needs your help. Um, I actually, they tell you this, but you really don't get it until you're actually in practice on your own. So I was terrible at um, time management until I actually got my first job. And then I slowly, slowly realized how to do it. It's not something that I can, I don't even think about it anymore because I know what I need to do. But as a student, I had no idea. I felt like I was lost all the time. But with practice and keeping it up and studying as much as you can, it really becomes second nature to you. So you have these different, uh, I guess, like maybe rotations where you have to maybe like maybe you were in the emergency room or maybe you were in uh, different parts uh, of the hospital. Um, what were some of your more memorable, I guess, rotations, if I'm using the right uh, uh, mm -hmm. expression there? Uh, and what were and how did you then begin to gravitate towards the one that uh, the one particular field that you're in now? So at first, like I said, when I was in med surge, that was my first rotation. I was like, this is ridiculous. I don't like this at all. I don't think a nursing is for me. Um, so I pushed through it until I got to one of my other rotations. It actually happened to be um, outpatient hospice. So I would follow a nurse around who would go to these people's homes who were in hospice. They were able to live by themselves, but they knew that they were about to they were going to pass away within a year. And that was one of the most empowering um, rotations of my life because it was I you could see these people accepting that the end of their life was coming and they were still happy. You would expect it to be a very depressing situation, like a macabre environment, but it wasn't. It was so empowering. It was they were happy. They had accepted it. And obviously, geriatric and hospice is completely the opposite of where I work now. But I really think that if once I get out of the hospital setting, I might go to um, home hospice because of that. Um, I also had a rotation in the NICU itself. And I didn't really like it, honestly. I knew I wanted to do pediatrics, but NICU was it was scary. It was terrifying. Like you, some people think of the NICU as, oh, like tiny babies. They just need to eat and they're in their little incubators. But oh my God, like the real NICU is terrifying. Yeah. Um, so I didn't want to do that until I got my first job and it was offered to me. And once I got there and I was more confident in my abilities, I ended up loving it and I never wanted to leave. Do you think that the experience working at hospice gave you a type of appreciation for the types of really heartbreaking things that you may have seen in the NICU, right? So I mean, like, I mean, does that make sense? Like, because you were really at both extremes where one's at the beginning of life, but so tenuous, and one's at the end of life, calm, but yet inevitable. I was wondering if there was kind of a connection between those two ideas. I absolutely think so, because you see, when I was in hospice, like these people were so calm and accepting that their end of their life was coming and then in the NICU I mean the, obviously there were unexpected deaths but a lot of the times there were deaths that parents and, and family members knew were coming so it was kind of a connection to me to see these people and these parents accept it and then 
try to have the end of their child's life to be the most calm and peaceful it could be just like these like older people in hospice were doing and that really brought comfort to me even though it was probably one of the worst times of their lives but it was nice to see that they could accept it and give their child the last few minutes or hours of their life that they could yeah it's just it's such a um such a like you said it was empowering to be witness to that on the hospice end but then to be able to i mean it it must you must have a, a, a an ability to communicate and be calm with those that are in the NICU when they're if they have to kind of face that. So that really was so beneficial to give that you that experience uh, for sure. What is what's the like final? How do we say this? Like maybe assessment for nursing. So you you go through then your two years where you're in the hospital, like you said, almost uh, every day. What's then the final? Is there like a, what's the final assessment or test like if there is one at all? Um, my boards or like my last semester? Uh, how about both? Yeah, let's go with last semester then boards. Sure. My last semester was actually quite interesting because it was the beginning of the pandemic. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was so crazy because no one has ever seen COVID before. And yeah. um, my hospital was one of the first hospitals in the United States to get some COVID patients. So it was And during that time, I was actually in my internship. So in at the end of nursing school, you were probably I believe it's like 225 hours that you need logged in um, the hospital. Um, So I was in the post I was in the PACU, the post anesthesia care unit. So people coming right back from surgery and the intensive care unit was right down the hallway. So that was really terrifying to see all the COVID happening at that time. So I don't think I got a what people would say a traditional last semester of nursing school yeah. because it was, everything was so in question. Um, but it helped because it I feel like it pre- prepared me for absolutely anything. Like there, everything was changing every single day. All the new information was coming out, masking, shields, gloves, gowns, everything was happening. And it really helped me adapt to new changes right on the fly. It was it was scary, but I it was this is going to sound really bad, but I really am thankful for it. Not obviously the pandemic, but the learning well, yeah, yeah. for it. <laughs> for sure. No, absolutely. It, ma- it made you a better practitioner for sure, because I mean, it's trial by fire for sure. Mm-hmm. Not so. So it's interesting because like that was like you're in the hospital training and, and, and really doing it there. Then you have to kind of do something more abstract, which would be the boards. Then what's yeah. what's that? procedure like to study for the boards and how do you and what does that assessment look like? So um, it's called the NCLEX and our professors, they really told us to don't wait too long after nursing school to take the NCLEX, which would be kind of counterproductive. You think like you would need a lot of time to study, but they said, don't wait that long, maybe take about a month and a half to study. So um, I was pulled up in my parents' house after college and I was just in my bedroom with my program on my computer just taking like I had a program that I bought and it was just reading through scenarios, taking practice tests over and over and over for essentially two months straight. Um, And you never feel prepared. Never. I knew that I honestly thought that I was going to fail the first time going in. So um, because it was COVID, it was a very limited number of seats to take the NCLEX. So I finally got into one and I'm a very quick test taker, even though I probably shouldn't have for my boards, probably the most important exam of my life. But they give you 
two, three hours, take it. I finished in about 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. I know. And I was the first one out of there. And the proc- the proctor looked at me and she was like, oh, maybe next time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, Little do you know. <laughs> oh, that's but thankfully, I passed. So that's yeah. all that matters to me. <laughs> So it's funny. You probably had yeah. So you had sympathy from one end, and probably other people in the room like, "Oh, of course." Ah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. So, um, is it multiple choice? Do you have to write out scenarios? Like, what's the actual like? Um, so some like? of them were multiple choice. Some of them were select all that apply, which is so annoying because it could have been all the answers, or it could have been none of them. Um, there was like a drag and drop like portion where you had to label stuff. There was like an ordering section. So you have to like prioritize what you're more like what you're um, what you should do first and then last. So there was a lot of things. Thankfully, there was no like written part of it because that was never my strong suit. If you remember from like, um, but it was mostly multiple choice, select all the apply and ordering stuff. Just, just a, you know, because I, I like knowing this. Like when you're saying, like you were studying, how many hours per day to to prepare? So you study for about a month or, or two. Like, what was a typical like study session to like with this program that you're talking about? Um, if I remember correctly, it would be a lot. Mostly, it would be practice tests and quizzes and stuff. So I would take a lot of the practice tests and then if or the quizzes, and I would select an answer, and then it would immediately tell you if your answer was correct or not and then it would give you an explanation for each of those answer choices of why it wasn't correct or why it was partially correct and why the correct answer was the best answer so I would take that I would write it into it I would have like another word document open I would kind of order it between systems like geriatric or pediatric or anything like that and just write down everything that even if I got it right I would just write down all the information that I could and then I would study, I would give myself maybe like two weeks with doing that. And then I would take a practice test, which would be like, um, like a mock NCLEX. And then they wouldn't tell you their answer right away. And then after that, I would go through all my questions again and do the same thing as I did. So it was kind was, of brain melting. But I was going to say, I'm always fascinated by like what it takes to, to really go after one of these really high in you know these types of exams like that there's assessments it's i'm always like curious to like what the actual focus and the, the time in because it's it's hard to imagine that you'd have to like sit there for hours on end and just it's just it takes an incredible amount of discipline so it's awesome that you were successful in that endeavor obviously and i knew yeah. that if i sat down and studied for six hours straight i wasn't going to get anywhere i was just going to skim through whatever i was reading and pretend that i was studying so i would give myself breaks trust me about every hour i would give myself an episode that i could watch of anything <laughs> yeah. and then i would go back into it yeah you gotta yeah because otherwise it's you have to let your brain just kind of you know, just do something else for sure okay so you pass then what's the next way? Like, how do you then start submitting your resume? You did you know that you wanted to stay in the Chicagoland area? What was what was your kind of decision point? So I actually applied for jobs before I even took the NCLEX. I think it was, I was honestly after I even before I even graduated that you were allowed to start applying to jobs. Oh, nice. Um, so I actually stayed in Iowa City for about a year. And I applied to the hospital there. I applied to the um, Stead Family Children's Hospital. So I applied to the 
pediatric ICU. I applied to the NICU, the neonatal ICU, and I also applied to pediatric oncology. So all of those interviews happened to be in one day. So I was just bouncing between three floors, just doing these interviews. Um, and to my surprise, I actually got all three of them. So then I was like, okay, well, which one am I going to pick? Um, it actually boiled down to the managers that in, um, that interviewed me that I picked the NICU. She was a wonderful woman, and I'm very glad I picked it. So after I passed my NCLEX, I shot her an email, said, hey, I passed. And she said, great, here's your um, your contract, and when do you want your start date to be? Wow. Did you, get, did you allow yourself um, a, a break, like a vacation? Oh, yeah. or like, or... Oh, yeah. I think I gave myself like two and a half months. Nice, nice. You deserved it. You deserved it. All right. So you, so you were then, um, you were in Iowa City for how long were you uh, at that particular hospital? I was there for about a year. So I graduated. I spent some time with my family, my friends, as much as I could in the pandemic. And then I went back to Iowa City. And when I started the job, it was completely nerve wracking. And I expected it like brand new job, brand new profession. Even though it was a city that I knew, I wasn't in college anymore. So it was a very different situation of me being a college student and knowing that city versus being an adult and being in that city. Um, And at the same time, a lot of my friends moved away. And it was hard to make friends during the pandemic because there was social distancing. Like we couldn't go out to like a restaurant and we couldn't go to each other's apartments. So I stuck it out that first year because I thought, you know what, it's just it's hard the first year. And then I realized, wow, there's I don't have anyone to talk to. This is not where I want my life to be. So even though I love the job as much as I did, I made the decision to leave to go back to Chicago and be in a more comfortable setting around my family and my friends. Um, So that took about a year for me to realize. No, great, great that you were able to kind of make that leap uh, back. How did you decide? Now, did you go directly to the hospital at Oak Park where you are now, or was there a step between there? There was a step in between. I actually took a job um, at a outpatient OB-GYN office. Um, I thought maybe in my first couple of years of nursing, even though I loved the NICU, I was like, maybe I should jump around just to see if there's something that I enjoy more. And that was a the bad decision. <laughs> I did not enjoy that job at all. Um, I was I was a nurse at this office, but I was essentially on the phone all day and taking mm-hmm. appointments and answering questions to pregnant women, which I appreciated, but it wasn't what, what I wanted to do. It made me realize that I needed to be on my feet. I needed to be in a hospital with patients in rooms and with critical things in my hands. Um, so I lasted at that outpatient job for, again, about a year. I gave myself a chance to stick it out. And then I applied to where I am now at West Sub and best decision I've ever made. Um, even though I did not like that office job, it kind of worked perfectly because where I am now, I technically am on the labor and delivery floor with the nursery inside of it. So with the office job, I gained a huge knowledge of pregnancy and postpartum care. And with the NICU experience in my background, I had that on my side. So the job I have now is kind of like a perfect meld of both. You know, you had to make two consecutive pivots where you had to leave Iowa City and then you had to leave a job that, you know, you, that you did get great experience for, but you just knew that you needed more. Um, I was wondering what that what those conversations were like in your, your head. Like, what was it? 
did you did you lean on other people to kind of hear out your concerns or how much of that was like uh, that you kind of made those decisions on your own because those aren't big moves you know to make like a lot of people say like this is my station i'm gonna stay here but you made two really consequential moves i was wondering like how did you have the kind of foresight and, kind of, and quite honestly the, the the strength to be able to make that uh that move and that pivot um what was kind of like your how did you find that uh push to do that um it was actually really hard because after two years i had had two jobs and i was about to leave my second one already and it made me think I was like, maybe I just don't like nursing, period. Like, maybe this isn't for me. Um, And so that was kind of a big struggle in my life because I was like, I just went through all this college. I spent all this time studying. All of this was not the right decision. So I started to talk to my friends and they were saying, well, I mean, if you want to be in a hospital, try a hospital again. And if it's really not what you want, then you realize that that's not for you. And I started talking to some of the doctors that I was working with. And when I mentioned that I might want to go back to a hospital, the first thing out of this doctor's mouth was, thank God you realize that huh. <laughs> you need to be on your feet. So um, I, as much of a m- mental battle it was with me thinking maybe this isn't for me, talking to other people and telling, telling, having them tell me that just try. If it's not what you want, you can do something else. And I'm glad that I stuck with it because I, I I love it. I love it so much. I'm so glad I didn't leave nursing. That's so great. So what's a typical day like uh, for you? Like what's uh, a week of a nurse? Uh, like I always hear different ideas like what a nurse's schedule is. Uh, you're, you work X amount of hours or shifts. Like what is your particular time allotment of the week look like? So I get a six-week schedule. Um, most days I work three days a week. 7 a.m. to 7.30 p.m., so 12 and a half hours. And then two of those weeks, I'm on call. So I'm on call twice in those six weeks. So um, I could be working. I could not. They could call me at any point of that day. So I had to come in and finish that shift. Um, I mean, it's long. I'm glad I only have to work three to four days a week because it is necessary for those breaks. Um, And I work two weekends out of those six weeks as well. Um, So I just came off a three in a row over the weekend and I just worked yesterday. So I am glad to just be relaxing <laughs> right now. So um, how how many other doctors and nurses are like on in your particular uh, nursery or in your floor or unit? So the nursery is there has to be two special care nursery nurses. So me and someone else. Um, there is one neonatologist and there's a floor full of labor and delivery nurses and postpartum nurses. So it is. it gets to be a lot, especially when there's a really sick kid on the floor because essentially there's only two nurses and one doctor that knows this situation like explicitly. And then all the residents are around. They can just put in orders, kind of be a hand to hand you something. But it gets to be hard when there is a really sick kid because there's essentially only four hands there to help you. Um, I always like asking like this question, like, when when did you kind of feel your training and then intuition kick in where there was a because there's always like a series of like mysteries right like which Mm -hmm. is why is this patient doing this and no one knows exactly what it is yet and then you kind of go through a a heuristic or a a kind of a a series of questions and then you were able to solve it what was like one of your favorite mysteries that you kind of either currently unraveled or one of your favorite of all times that you because of your training and your intuition that were able to solve do you remember what one of what those were 
I don't remember my first one, but I can remember in the most recent one, which was on Sunday, actually. Perfect. Um, so I think I actually first got comfortable in my job maybe about six months ago where I really felt like, yep, I know exactly, like not exactly, but I know what I'm doing now and I feel confident doing this even if I had to by myself. So this last Sunday was actually a very horrific day. We had a code in the emergency room and then we had a sick kid that was born via C-section that no one really realized was going to be sick. Um, and normally if a kid's oxygen saturations drop down, you think their lungs, but there was nothing wrong with this kid's lungs. He was breathing fine, but his oxygen was just so low. Um, even with oxygen, even being on a ventilator, it was just so low. So I had taken a class maybe in November, I believe. It was called Stable, um, which is about the newborn care right after delivery. And I remember taking these pieces from that class that I learned and I realized this is not his lungs. This is his heart. Something's wrong with his heart. And I talked to the neonatologist. I was like, I think something's wrong with his heart. And he was like, yeah, I think you're right. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I put that together. I'm so proud of myself. I love that. That is so. Oh, so actually, that was a, a great kind of uh, intro to my next question, which was um, what is like not necessarily recertification, but like how do you keep fresh and, 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 uh, and know new information, new training, new information and, and all that? What? what like, do you have to take classes? And is that, um, obviously, you're probably always getting that, but what's the um, expectation to always be learning? Um, so every year, so you have to re-up your license. You don't have to take the test, but you just have to apply for your license again, I believe every three to five years. Um, so to do that, you need to have something called continue edu continuing education classes. So it's just classes with, due to, like, pertaining to medicine. So like a postpartum hemorrhage class or a stable class that I took. Um, I like to take the classes that pertain to neonates or labor just to keep up with my knowledge. Um, so I have to take the, retake those every year or two. So that really helps because there's just a whole new boatload of information every year that I either didn't remember from the previous year or it's brand new information. Um, and there's also a option to become a certified nurse in that specific field that you're working. So I am actually studying to get my uh, low risk NEO certification right now so I can become a certified nurse with that. Oh, wow. So what, how long is that uh, program? That's, so it's actually interesting because once you're out uh, in the nursing field, you, if I wanted to take the test tomorrow, I could. It wouldn't be a good idea <laughs> because I would have to study. But there's no classes that you're required to take. Let's like just say, all right, study on your own, figure it out. We have some textbooks out there. If you want it, you can get it. If you can find a class, you can take it. So it's kind of all up to you at that point about how you want to study and how you want to approach this exam. Wow. So okay, what so I did is I talked to one of our nurse practitioners, our neonatal nurse practitioners, and she actually wrote a book on um, the low risk neo certification. So she's down in Florida right now, but she's going to mail it up to me so I can start studying off that book. Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, and so when do you anticipate your comfort to be able to, to take that exam? Um, I'll give myself about a month of studying um, with work and everything. So I'll give about myself about a month before I'm more comfortable taking the test. So you'll become, so you'll become certified and then where do you think you see like yourself in maybe like five or 10 years in, in medicine? I want to go back to school. I want to become a neonatal nurse practitioner. 
Um, I told myself that I would I needed to get extremely comfortable in the job that I am in right now, bedside nursing, and then get my certification, my low risk NEO certification first, and then work through that and then maybe get my high risk NEO certification. Um, so then the program for a neonatal nurse practitioner is I two to three years if you are full time. Um, and then after that, I would have my um, my doc, not my doctorate, but I would be nurse or Dr. Nike at that point. So maybe in five to seven years, I'll get I'll get that. Wow. Wow. That is it's so neat. Is that is that um, is there a particular program like in the area that that specializes in that or is it like through Rush or what do you think you'll go to? Um, Rush has a good program and the nurse practitioner that I was talking to, she actually works at Rush as an instructor. So she was telling me about the program. It's it's not close to where I live, but it wouldn't be much further than Oak Park. It would be to me. So I'm looking at Rush right now. I think that's my best bet. So cool. So Shruti, this has been Awesome. I, we, I I always love, you know, hearing about this, especially my own reasons. My son wants to be a nurse as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to like, you know, just kind of absorb as much information as possible. I was wondering if you could leave us today with tips for success for current Wildcats. For current Wildcats, what would you what would you tell them? So when I was a student at WeGo, I was not a good student at all. I had dreams, but I wasn't working towards them. I thought that I was just, things were going to come to me easily as they had before. Um, And even if you have the best luck in the world, you got to put yourself first. You got to work for what you want. Even if it takes a long time, it doesn't matter the timeline. As long as you put yourself first and get your priorities straight and work hard, you're going to get there. Take it from me, who was a bad student in high school. I excelled in college and I think I'm doing pretty great right now so no matter how poorly you think you're doing right now I think that if you put the work in you can be better than you ever thought you could be perfect I love that well Shruti thank you so much this was great and uh, best of luck with uh, all your future studies thank you Mr. Turnbaugh it was great to talk to you thanks for listening do us a favor and spread the word about Wego Places by sharing our interviews with other Wildcats on social media If you want to search past episodes or stay current, subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere where you get your podcasts. Just search We Go Places. And you can also follow We Go Places on Facebook and Twitter at We Go Places Podcast. If you know of a former Wildcat who would be a great guest, send me a direct message on Facebook, Twitter, or even at school email at brianturnbaugh at d94.org. 